like that. You want to try that. I never, <laughs> ever want to have that happen again. Never. And hello, everybody. Welcome to this one, when, one Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Cedar Falls podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm officially tapped out of Tuesday night football games. I like the idea of having a football game every single day of the week. Or pretty much every single day. I guess it's not every single day of the week, but I'm all for more football. Tuesday nights, never. I'm done with Tuesday night football. I don't know if you guys sat around and watched. I mean, you guys don't usually have... Nobody really has a lot of things to do on Tuesday nights at 6, at least... To my knowledge, I don't usually have it. Actually, no, I have a night class. But usually don't have a lot to do on Tuesday nights. But last night, I never want to watch that again. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a terrible, terrible game and a terrible, terrible evening. If you didn't know it, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, the Tennessee Titans absolutely obliterated and that's saying it nicely obliterated the buffalo bills on national television now i'm not going to sit here and i'm i'm a pessimistic person i'm a pessimistic fan i'm a pessimistic person but i'm not going to go all doom and gloom because they got absolutely railed by the titans last night no they just played bad they shot themselves in the foot a thousand times during this game it just wasn't fun. Josh threw two interceptions in the game. If you didn't watch the game, I'll do a little recap for you. Like, third play of the game. Josh throws an interception to Malcolm Butler. Third play, or around third play. It was like third or fourth play. Hit off Andre Roberts' chest. It was a low throw. Hit off Andre Roberts' chest. Bounced up right into the arms of Malcolm Butler. Almost housed it. Later in the game, Josh throws another interception to the aforementioned Malcolm Butler. In even worse fashion than the first time. Terrible interception. I don't even know. I know what he was looking at, but the it, it, it didn't work. Let's just say it like that. It did not work. And again, much like the first one, almost housed it. Should have gotten brought down earlier, got out of the tackle somehow, and then almost returned it for a touchdown. And Andre Roberts, on a kick return, fumbled. So the Titans are playing with short field on three of their touchdowns, on their three drives, playing with short field, all of them which came up with touchdowns. That's 21 points. That is half of the Titans' points were played on a short field because of the Bills' turnovers. Josh's two interceptions, Andre Roberts' fumble, led to 21 of the Titans' 42 points in this game. Absolutely ridiculous. And then Tannehill... He he crushed the Bills, not only throwing the ball, but he ran the ball very smartly as well. Had a rushing touchdown in the game, sucked defenders in on one of his touchdown passes. I think it was to Jonu Smith. Yeah, which if you watched the game last night and saw <laughs> the blue line and where Tannehill was, it was ridiculously Illegal forward pass. If you saw the, the the broadcast last night, or you even saw it on Twitter, some people were posting it all over Twitter last night, the blue line was like two yard, or like a yard and a half behind the actual line of scrimmage. So when that happened, I turned to my roommates and said, there's no way that's not a legal forward pass. But then when they didn't have any angles other than pretty much the sky cam that was at an angle itself so you couldn't even check down the line to see if you really got it i was like man this is just gonna be another music city miracle type thing now obviously the titans were well in front and were well dominating the game up until that point so it wasn't like the music city miracle and the fact that the game was just ultimately decided on that but it was they called the touchdown on the field so they weren't going to overturn it because there was no evidence to overturn it because of the camera angles they had were next to useless. And now, I th- when I was doing my NFL preseason predictions, I did have this being the Bills' first loss of the season. So, I'm not terribly surprised the Bills ultimately lost this game. Even though Josh Allen had beaten the Titans the pr- two previous years they have played each other. Both at home and on the road. 
Beat them both times. But this time it was just just terrible on on every single front. John Brown was out. Uh, Trey White was out with a, with a back injury is what they said. But if you paid attention to the Bills offseason, which I don't expect a lot of you to do or expect, to, <laughs> expect a lot of you to have done, Trey White almost opted out of the season due to COVID-19. Trey White is well-documented being the second-best corner in the NFL. This year, he struggled at times, but so is every NFL defense, it feels like, from the start of this season. But he almost opted out of the start of the season because of COVID-19. He almost opted out of the season. And now they're playing the team that broke COVID-19 protocols and had the most COVID cases throughout the NFL, and he just happens to have a back injury. He sat out the game. I don't think he... Now, I could be wrong. I'm not at Bill's practices, surprisingly. I'm in Cedar Falls, Iowa. I'm not there at the Bill's training facility every day watching Trey White practice. But if I'm using context clues on going, he almost stopped out of the season. This is the team that has just pretty much gave the middle finger to COVID-19 protocols in the NFL. And now he's got a back injury. He could have a back injury. But... And I don't think the player, the coaches or players are going to come out and say, yeah, Trey White just sat out the game because of COVID-19. They're going to say he had an injury. But I'm pretty confident when I, my dad sent me the inactives list yesterday. And I see John Brown. I see Trey White on there. My first initial thought was, oh, no, Trey White's not playing. And then the second thought was, oh, I'm not really surprised he's not playing. I hadn't heard anything of a back injury throughout the entire week. And I follow multiple Bills accounts on social media, whether it be fan pages, uh, source pages, Bills reporters, the Bills actual Twitter account and Instagram account, all that stuff, I have heard nothing of a Trey White back injury. Now, that could just be me not paying attention to the right things, but that's just what I'm gathering from this situation. I'm not upset that Trey White sat out. I perfectly understand why he sat out. He had his grandma, I believe, die from COVID-19. He's got a, a kid I, I, it does. I'm not upset with Trey White for sitting out of the game. I don't think it was a back injury, though. That's what the coaches and players will say. But I don't. I'm not going to sit here and I don't think it is. It didn't help that John Brown didn't play yesterday. So Andre Roberts, who normally doesn't play as a wide receiver, played wide receiver, and he had two like the complete polar opposite of plays playing wide receiver. He had the third play of the game or whatever, deflect off his chest and land right into the waiting arms of Malcolm Butler. And then he had an amazing sideline catch later in the game. Like, the two don't go together. It doesn't make any sense. That's what Dawson Knox does. Dawson Knox makes the uneasy catches look easy, and then the easy catches look extremely hard, or it looks like uh, someone with no hands, like my sister trying to catch a ball with her fists closed and try to catch it like that. But he'll make one-handed catches and bring them in with ease and then stiff-arm someone along the way. But they missed John Brown last night. They they missed Trey White, obviously. So Josh Norman, who just played his first game last week against the Raiders, I played well against the Raiders, I will say that. Um, he was the number one corner. The Bills' two starting corners from the last two seasons, pretty much, maybe even three seasons, Trey White and Levi Wallace, were both out in this game. That doesn't help <laughs> the case for, uh, it doesn't breed confidence into a fan anyways. Now, I know you're supposed to go in and love all your players, which I do. I don't dislike any of the players on this team, but it, it, I didn't feel as confident going in with Trey White and Levi Wallace <laughs> than I would, like, that I did watching Cam Lewis and Josh Norman start the game for the Bills. Josh Norman has played one game and even start again though he played well he didn't start he's been coming off an injury and then cam cam lewis i don't know has played this season now they did have their nickel corner teron johnson playing but the outside didn't really and they didn't even lose like how i thought they would i thought derrick henry would rush for like 150 yards or two touchdowns now he had the two touchdowns and had 50 yards 57 yards rushing to be exact but that's not how they beat them the bills literally beat themselves in this game they played terrible like, there's no other way around it and it doesn't breed much confidence when you go into next week knowing you're playing the Chiefs on Monday afternoon football that does not breed confidence <laughs> as a fan and 
a pessimistic fan to say that. Being pessimistic fan and then getting blown out by the Titans when you got the Chiefs awaiting you is not very good combination for stress levels, okay? The Super Bowl reigning Super Bowl champion Chiefs with the best quarterback in the NFL. Maybe not this year. I'd say Russell Wilson's the best this year, but overall I would say Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> I mean, both teams are going to be pissed off going into this game. But if Trey White is not back, I am terrified for Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill, their speed on the outside is ridiculous. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are going to be playing like 30 yards back of the line of scrimmage just to keep contained on these guys. But Trey White, I fully expect him to be back because I think he only sat out this game because of COVID with the Titans. Now, if you've been following this thing, even the tiniest bit with the Titans and COVID-19, you know they broke protocol. They were basically giving, as we said earlier, giving the middle finger to the COVID-19 protocols that the NFL had put in place where we're actively not wearing masks, we're doing all this, yada, yada, yada. And then they pulled the victim card. Why are you guys pulling the victim card? You guys have some annoying players anyways, but you're pulling the victim. Oh, we did. We had two weeks off. We didn't have to prepare for one. We only had to prepare for one opponent. Oh, we broke COVID-19 rules. Oh, we haven't been punished one second by the NFL other than getting free film, watching film for 14 days. Man, I'm so shocked the Titans won the game. Oh, man, we faced so much adversity. Shut up. I think Taylor Lewan is a very good offensive tackle in this league, but he is one of the most annoying, cringy players in the NFL as well. He just is. Like You didn't battle adversity. What are you talking about? You literally broke COVID rules, and the rest of the NFL is taking punishment for stuff that you idiots did. But... You know what? You guys battled hard against that adversity of getting free film for 14 days and just getting rested up for this game. The Bills got to go on a short week and play the Kansas City Chiefs next Monday, which is awesome. The Titans got a bye week against the Steelers, then just prepared for the Bills. Got two days extra rest for this game, too. But yeah, you guys faced so much adversity. You guys should be given like awards for something here for your adversity. You ha- How you handled that adversity before this game, I don't know how you guys did it. You guys are so mentally tough and mentally strong. Goodness gracious, guys. Faced adversity. You guys are the reason the NFL could have been canceled. <laughs> Freaking idiots. And then the Monday night football, you had, or uh, Tuesday at Tuesday night football had like the fifth string broadcasting crew. Jay Feely's ever broadcasting a game. Good Lord. You got the backup to the backup to the backup broadcasting team. And he was like, I would have kicked the field goal there. Well, no shit. You're the kicker. I'm not expecting you to say, oh, yeah, I would have totally gone for two there. You're a former NFL kicker. And just for those of you who don't remember, Jay Feely had a great call of a kicker that missed a field goal horrendously saying, oh, I hit the crossbar and in. That's a tie game. Or they have now taken the lead. Go watch the clip. Go look up Jay Feely field goal broadcast. I don't... I don't know if that's exactly the thing you should look up or what it would be looked up, but he is not a good broadcaster. So that is like the those two that were in the booth last night, that is Tuesday night football for you. My sister and her boyfriend were over watching the game last night, and I looked just like, oh, my God, they got Jay Feely on this? He said, that's the Tuesday night football crew. Said, yeah, this is two- – if Tuesday night football was a broadcast crew, it'd be these two. I don't even remember the main guy's name. I just remember Jay Feely being there because he was one of those kickers that wore gloves. He wasn't really – he was all right, but he was he's just the kicker that wore gloves. I would have kicked the field goal there. Well, ooh, thank you, Jay Feely. I really thought you would have said go for two. <sighs> Man. But, yeah, the Titans trying to act like they're victims here. Like, Tannehill, we're a little ticked off about how we've been treated, how we've been talked about these last couple weeks. What do you mean how you've been treated it's such a, Bradley Gelber, who is, or he does Buffalo, he does news in Buffalo. He, that is a completely tone-deaf statement. Yes, it is, 
the Titans got treated like victims last night. Like, oh my god. You got... We're so... We're just, we were treated so poorly getting these 14 days off to prepare for the Buffalo Bills. Man, we broke all the COVID-19 protocols. But we're getting treated so badly, guys. Shut up. It's so stupid. But out of all of the game last night, which the game was not even enjoyable to watch, I wasn't even like upset after the game because it was so terrible by how bad the Bills played offensively and defensively. Did well against the run, to be frank, really. It's they didn't do terrible against the run. Derrick Henry was he'd get a good run every once in a while, get five yards, carry like three people on his back because he's freaking monster. And we didn't even mention Josh Norman getting absolutely stiff-armed to hell by Derrick Henry. He ragdolled him. He decleated him. It was terrible. That's what you get when you try to tackle someone 6'3", 250 pounds high. That's what you get. You could watch the videos of Leonard Fournette doing that while he was at LSU. Like, it does. why would you tackle these guys high? Deion Sanders, the greatest cornerback of all time, was one of the... He wasn't a great tackler. He would go for the ankles every single time, but that's smart because you know why he started doing it? Because he got stiff-armed to hell by Bo Jackson at Florida State. He realized we can't tackle these dudes. So he was diving for ankles the entire time he played. Just do that. If you're playing a guy 6'3", 250, and you were 5'9", like 170, I would not recommend trying to tackle these people up high because you're liable to get either A, stiff-armed to hell like Josh Norman did, or trucked and sent into the nether regions. You'll wake up talking to Dumbledore like Harry Potter did in the Deathly Hollows. Like, Dumbledore, what are you doing here? Just like that. That's what it would happen if you get trucked by Derrick Henry. I, I would never get trucked by Derrick Henry. I would never want to do that. I saw a thing on Twitter uh, uh, probably a few months ago now. Uh, would you rather get trucked by Derrick Henry or beat Tyreek Hill in a race? It's like, what? <laughs> it's not even close. I'm taking Tyreek Hill every single time. I'm not trying to get run over by Derrick Henry. It's like trying to stop Derrick Henry. Unless I'm Aaron Donald, I'm not standing in front of Derrick Henry or Steve Atwater. Because Steve Atwater is one of those people. If you don't know, he's a legendary safety for the Denver Broncos. I think he's finally getting in the Hall of Fame this year. He's the guy that famously stood up Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare, when he was on the Kansas City Chiefs. That is what... Derrick Henry is now, but I'd say Derrick Henry is a better version of Christian Okoye. No disrespect to Christian Okoye. He was just a, he was a freaking monster. He got stood up by Steve Atwater. Like, that's the 90s version of Derrick Henry. If you want to go watch Christian Okoye videos, go ahead. And that nickname, the Nigerian Nightmare, has spawned so many unoriginal nicknames for Nigerians out there. <laughs> like uh, Kamaru Usman, the UFC fighter. He's the Nigerian Nightmare. My friend Vincent, uh, his fantasy football name was the Nigerian Nightmare. Like, uh, KSI, his boxing name is the Nightmare, but he is also Nigerian. Like, do we have, can we get some better nicknames out here? <laughs> like, Kamaru Usman, for me, is the pride of Penn, because he went to William Penn for like a year. So every time we watch Kamaru Usman fight, it is, oh, the pride of Penn. I always rock a William Penn shirt when he's fighting. But we got to get better nicknames than the Nigerian Nightmare. It's been used so many times. It's not even a nickname anymore. If you're Nigerian and big, that's going to be your nickname. <laughs> it's gifted to you. It's not even It's not even a cool nickname anymore. It was cool with Christian Okoye, but now it's been used so much that it's lost its luster, I guess. you got to come up with something new. Like, um, what's the capital? Lassos? I need to look this up because I'm going to try and come up with a nickname for you all real quick. Nigeria. Um, what? That's not the cap? What? What? I thought... Wait a minute. Lagos. Oh, that's the largest city. Abuja is the capital of Nigeria. I thought Lag Lagos was the capital city. I guess I was wrong, according to Wikipedia. But um, let's look at, like... Um, I guess that one makes it harder because you have to be from that city. Or have ancestry from that city. So that kind of... If you're not from Lagos or Abuja, then it doesn't really work, I guess. But whatever. But back to what I was originally talking about. Was uh, one of the things that made me laugh last night. One of the few things 
that made this game enjoyable was Pat McAfee and Dan Orlovsky's tweet exchange. Now, the Bills were getting absolutely slaughtered by this point, so I was trying to find anything to really draw my attention away from the atrocity that was known as that game last night. And Josh Pat McAfee tweeted, Josh Allen has a hose in all caps. And then Dan Orlovsky, it's my favorite tweet of the night, you should see his arm. <laughs> Get ratioed, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee's tweet got 11,000 likes, almost 12,000 likes. Dan Orlovsky's got 26,000. Get ratioed. Boom. If you don't know what ratioed is, it's when you get more likes than the person that originally tweeted. You see this a lot with like quote tweets. Like someone sees something's like, oh, dog, I love Facebook. I don't know if it's just me. This is going on a tangent real quick. I don't know if it's just me, but my Facebook is not very funny. I never really see a lot of funny things on my Facebook account. Which, to be fair, I don't really go on Facebook that often unless I get a notification about either A, a birthday, or I'm posting something about the Logan Blackman show. Uh, What else do I get notifications about? Events, I get notifications, but that's about it. I don't really go through there and scroll and go like, oh my god, look at this exchange that so-and-so had. I don't care. <laughs> and Dan Orlovsky almost ratioed Pat McAfee again. Pat just tweet responded with Dan, and then Dan Orlovsky responded with a GIF, or GIF, whatever you want to call it. I don't care if you call it GIF. You're wrong. I don't care if that's what the creator said. It's called GIF is peanut butter. This is a GIF. And that almost, Dan Orlovsky tweeted that. Pat got 3.6 thousand, which feels weird saying 3.6 thousand. And Dan got 2.1 thousand, so almost got ratioed again. But Dan with the, the tweet of the night... Could we agree on that? Tweet of the night. And also, while I was just talking, on, we're on the topic of football. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Seattle Seahawks took place Sunday night. If you remember listening to Monday's show, I recorded Monday's show right before Mon- Sunday night football. Literally, like I ended the show at 7.20. And Vikings fans, um, I'm sorry, I guess. I mean, I'm not really sorry. I'm not really that sorry. But uh, Seahawks win 27-26. Seahawks get a game-winning drive, go to score a game, game-winning touchdown. And they scored, what, 21 points in the third quarter alone. Vikings had scored 13 at halftime, 13 nothing at halftime. And the Vikings choked it away. I don't know Kirk Cousins' record in primetime games, to be exact. But I know it's not very good. <laughs> it is actually atrocious, if I remember correctly. Now, Alexander Masson, the backup to Dalvin Cook, had a great game on Sunday. Dalvin Cook, I think, was battling an injury during the game. I did not watch, like, I think I watched five seconds of the game, to be honest. Because we watched the NBA Finals, which is ironic that <laughs> it's funny. The NBA Finals had, like, six million viewers. This is game six. This is the chance, the last game, the game that means everything in the NBA Finals. The series could end on that game. More people, almost double the number of people tuned in to the Minnesota Vikings-Seattle Seahawks game. If there's arguments about what the biggest sport in America is, those things should end soon. Football is easily the king of sports. And you see that with attendance numbers and everything. I know you get the the average basketball fan. I'm not a, a huge basketball fan unless the Bulls are doing something. If the Bulls aren't in something, I have a hard time getting my attention, giving my attention to another game. That's, that's kind of how I feel with all my teams. If my team is not playing, I could care less about what is going on in the rest of the NBA. With the Bulls, I care about when the draft is when the lottery is, and if the head coach is getting fired or not. Those are the three things. I know the Bulls aren't going to win a lot of games. I absolutely love Zach Levine, and thanks for the Timberwolves for trading the wrong person. Should have given us Andrew Wiggins, but you gave us the best player. <laughs> or second best. I don't, I'm not going to rank him above Carl Anthony Towns just yet, but he is. he has surpassed Andrew Wiggins. By a fair margin. That could also just be being, being biased because the Bulls have Zach Levine, but he has surpassed Andrew Wiggins by all accounts. 
the Bulls. The draft is coming up, I think, in November. So that will be my full attention. And then, hopefully, the Bulls have a decent season. I'm not expecting world beaters next year. Again, I'm a very pessimistic person. You'll very rarely say, here we go, oh, I think my team is going to do this. If you if you ever hear me say that, then I believe in this team. <laughs> I will never say that unless I truly believe. Like when I'm looking at Hawkeye schedules, I usually go around seven and five, eight and four every year. If they go better than that, then I'm a happy person. But if they don't, then that makes me even more upset. I like I set the bar so low. <laughs> you guys can't do that for me. Like, I had the Bills winning the AFC East. I'm confident in that. There's very rare times you'll see me say that of my teams being like, oh, I'm going to predict them to do good this year. The Bulls, I just won an eight seed. I don't even, I just want a playoff spot. I want to feel postseason basketball again. And whether you get steamrolled by whoever has the one seed, like the Bucks or the Raptors or the, the Heat, the Celtics, whoever it is, if we can get steamrolled by them, just make it fun to watch. And sorry, I had a Mountain Dew. I woke up like five minutes before my class started today, and I chugged a Mountain Dew, so I'm burping a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> I apologize. This is very unprofessional, because you know we're all about professionalism here. But, yeah, the NBA Finals. Um, yeah, uh, congrats to LeBron on winning his fourth title. Uh, but other than that, I really didn't care about what happened. I love Jimmy Butler. He's one of my favorite Bulls players of the 2010s, but I really could care less if they won a finals or not. I, I've There's been points in my time where the Heat have been my least favorite team in the NBA because they were the only team that stood away between the Bulls and an NBA championship. And I could say that being biased or whatever, but I truly believe that Derrick Rose and that Bulls team that won the Eastern Conference going 62-20 and 20, they would have won the NBA Finals that year. The Heat lost Game 1 of the Bulls Heat Series and then threw LeBron James on Derrick Rose. 6'8", 250 guy and a 6'3", 190 guy. That usually goes in favor of the big guy, usually in every sport. But, yeah, congrats on the Lakers for winning championship number 17. Now I just want to watch a Lakers-Celtics Finals next year because they're both tied on 17 championships. So I would love to see who's the true king of the NBA. Uh, never really liked either when I started. I've hated the Celtics a little bit because of how annoying KG, Paul Pierce, and that whole team, Kendrick Perkins, Glenn Davis, how annoying that team is. Good God. You'd think they won like six championships. You'd think they're the 90 Bulls with the way they talk. They won one championship, but you wouldn't think that because they're always going like, man, we were a team of destiny, dog. You can you can do whatever you set your mind to. Well, yeah, you won one championship and then got absolutely smacked by the Lakers the next time you played a championship. The team is good, but the way they talk about themselves, good God. They should have won more championships by anything. They're actually a disappointment for the fact they only won one championship. Man, terrible. I think the next year, the Magic went to the finals. Like, Celtics are annoying. I could care less about either one of those teams. I hated the Lakers for certain points in my life. I've hated the Celtics for certain points in my life. Um, I've hated the Heat for more of my life than any team in the NBA, but I like Jimmy Butler and I like the players and the core they've built there. But I just couldn't find anything. I was like, I just look at my phone during the finals, like kind of halfway pay attention. Sorry, it's just my team's not in it. It's like Sunday. Sunday sucked because <laughs> I didn't have any dogs in any fights on Sunday. It was terrible. I didn't even watch Sunday Night Football. I watched a tiny bit of the Chiefs Raiders game and a tiny bit of the Texans Jaguars game. Other than that, did not really watch any football on Sunday. Monday, similar story. I had homework to do. I had to uh, read a an excerpt for my capstone class. We had to talk about um crap. What was it about? Well, this is not a great look for me. I did the paper and I turned it in. So, Forgive me. I did this Monday night. I it's it's Wednesday morning right now. I know weird. We're recording this in the morning, but I need I wanted to get a show out. I, I cashed out after the game. And I woke up around 9:50 today. It's 12:12 12, 12 right now. Hey. 
But uh, Chargers Saints, uh, we talked about the Chargers on Sunday or on Monday, I guess. This team could really realistically be five and zero. They're one and four right now. Michael Badgley, who when he first got signed with the Chargers, were the Chargers were in a weird slump with kickers. Ever since Nick Novak left, and they had Young Way Koo, who now has turned into one of the better kickers in the NFL with the Falcons, they've had kicker problems. Worse than the Bears. And the Bears would love to just keep running down their throat that, oh my god, remember Double Doink? Like, he's the only kicker that's ever doinked a crossbar in the wild card game? Like, it wasn't even a big game. It was a wild card game. But Mike Badgley from Miami, he had a sick mullet when he first came to the league, uh, missed a field goal, doinked it off the crossbar, and they even said his nickname before, the Money Badger. He did that when he first came to the NFL. Called himself the Money Badger. He trademarked it, even. Because when he first was in the league, he drilled field goals. He replaced <laughs> Josh Lambeau, who, again, has turned into a very good kicker with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but absolutely sucked with the Chargers. Badgley is now 2-for-6 on field goals this year. The Jaguars, with Josh Lambeau getting out, had Steven Hauschka, who got cut from the Bills this year, Hauschka got cut in his first and only game for the Jaguars this year. Because he sucked. But Badgley doinked it off the crossbar. And I know Bears. It's a, it's a terrible word to say around Bears fans. Because it's, it's the only team that's ever had a doink field goal. It's, it's never been in a bigger situation than that. But the Chargers lost. Uh, Will Lutz, one of the better kickers in the NFL, made a field goal to in overtime. To win the game. Badgley had a chance to end it in regulation, didn't. But yeah, Chargers were up 20 to 20 to 10 at halftime and the Saints came back and won the game. Yeah. Herbert looks good. Herbert looks really good. Uh Mike Williams had himself a good game as well. Justin Jackson got the bulk of the carries for the Chargers surprisingly for me cuz if you remember in week 1 against the Bengals, Joshua Kelly even against the Chiefs, was getting quite a bit of carries to get a decent amount of yards for the L.A. Chargers. He had less carries and way less yards than Justin Jackson, who was the backup to Eckler last year. It was pretty much the backup when Melvin Gordon wasn't playing. But Herbert looks good. Four touchdowns, no picks in this game. Uh, Mike Williams, 109 yards, two touchdowns. Um, who had the other one? Hunter Henry. And Keenan Allen had another one. And then the Saints, before the game, found you found out that Mike Thomas wasn't going to play because he got in a fight with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think, and then Sean Payton, apparently. Which is great. Which is perfect. <laughs> but, yeah. But Chargers lost 27-30. Um, you could take the San Diego Chargers out of San Diego, but you can't take the San Diego Chargers out of the Chargers. That team <laughs> will always... Find ways. If you look at talent, there's not a lot more rosters. And we're talking just talent. We're not talking about like, like you, you could say someone's talented, but they're not actually like top tier talent, like top tier player. You can see the talents there, but it's just not performing. The Chargers have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. If you look at offense, Herbert, you got Eckler. I know he's out, but Kelly, Jackson, young guys. That are still very good backups. Josh Kelly was a third rounder. Justin Jackson was a seventh rounder, I think, from Northwestern. And Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. Like those guys. KJ Hill had a great career at Ohio State. He fell to the seventh round this year. Great career at Ohio State. And then you look on the defensive side. You've got Kaiser White from West Virginia, who's a very good defender. Uh, Desmond King. Kenneth Murray was a first round draft pick from Oklahoma this year. Echenna Nuosu is a great, a really good, talented player. Nasir Adderley was his early second-round pick. Casey Hayward one of the, is, is the most underrated corner in the NFL. The Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. I know Melvin Ingram didn't play. Denzel Perriman was there last night, or Monday night. Jeremy Tillery was a first-round draft pick, but he's not really that good. But he's a former first-round draft pick. Like, there's so many talented players on this roster. But they're 1-4. One in four. This is similar to the Mike Williams char- or Mike McCoy Chargers, like where he was just basically on the sideline, hand in hands, like the entire time. Because there's like, 
He's lost the locker room. Anthony Lynn, I think, is a lot better coach than Mike McCoy, but that's not really saying a lot now, is it? Chargers like getting um, coordinators. Like, Anthony Lynn was a running backs coach before he took the job with the Los Angeles Chargers before becoming de facto offensive coordinator Watch the Bills fired Greg Roman to being de facto head coach with the Bills fired Rex Ryan. That's his step up. And then all of a sudden he's the head coach of the LA Chargers. It hasn't been perfect for Anthony Lynn. I respect Anthony Lynn. From what you can watch on Anthony Lynn, he's one of those guys that just looks like you don't want to disappoint or you don't want to see upset. Throughout his career with the Chargers, he had two good seasons to start off, 9-7 and seven, and then that one twelve and 4 season. The next year, 5-11. and 11. And then now he's 1-4. and four. In his career as a head coach, he's 27-27. and 27, Minus that one de facto head coaching job with the Bills in the last game of the season, which I think they lost to the Jets that year. Because they benched Tyrod Taylor because they had an opt-in, opt-out clause in his contract that year. Once he's on a five-year contract, you don't get him hurt. Then he doesn't you doesn't get the five-year active, then he can opt out after a year. The Bills could. It was like a team option contract. But yeah, uh Anthony Lynn, I like him. But sooner or later I would think he's gonna have to be on the hot seat. The every Chargers coach will be doing this at some point or another because of the fact this roster is so talented and has been. For the last, pretty much the entire 21st century, it's been super talented. You look at the early 2000s with the early LT teams. You go to 2006 when LT won the MVP. They had, what was it, 14 Pro Bowlers on that team? 12? And they lost to the Patriots in the wild card round, or the divisional round. They were 14-2. and They had 14 Pro Bowlers. They lost the Patriots. The team had the number one offense and the number one defense one year and missed the playoffs. Okay? That is ridiculous. The Chargers have never beaten a Tom Brady-led team. They're 0-9 against them. 0-8, 0-9, somewhere around there. Even counting this year. Like, there's no reason this team throughout the 21st century, and they're throughout the 2000s, whatever you want to call it, should not have won a Super Bowl at some point. You look at the, some of the players they've had. LT, we've already talked about him. They had Drew Brees. People tend to forget. Like, I talked to a lot of my friends. They forget Drew Brees was on the Chargers. You look at Drew Brees in Chargers uniform, it looks weird. It's like for me, now this is just because I grew up in this time, but watching Drew Bloodsoe in a Patriots uniform is weird for me because when I was younger, he was the Bills guy. I have a little... um I don't know what you want to call these things. They're not starting lineup things, but um, like those little statues with the platforms you get. They're about like, what, eight inches tall, if you know what I'm talking about. I have a Drew Bledsoe one of that. I have a Drew Bledsoe Bills jersey hanging in my two of them because I found my old jersey that I grew up in. But it's weird for me seeing him in a Patriots uniform. I know he played with the Patriots longer, but it's just because so, I remember him in a Bills uniform. It's weird to see him in a Patriots uniform. It looks weird with Breeze in the Chargers uniform. And then you got Phillip Rivers coming in. Greatest quarterback in Charger history. I know old head Charger fans will say Dan Fouts, but it's Phillip Rivers. Even older heads might even say John Hadle for some reason. But it's Phillip Rivers. Then you look at the O-line. You had McNeil as a left tackle, one of the best offensive tackles of that era. Nick Hardwick, another a really good center for the Chargers for those years. Lorenzo Neal, one of the best fullbacks of all time, especially the 21st century. Look at him and Mike Allstott for fullbacks. John Kuhn could be up there. New era, like Kyle Juszczyk could be up there as well. Then you've got the people on the outside, Vincent Jackson. We have Keenan Allen now, Mike Malcolm, uh, Malcolm, Mal- wow, Malcolm Floyd. Goodness gracious. Antonio Gates has been there. The greatest tight end in Chargers. And that's saying a lot with Kellen Winslow being there. You had Ryan Matthews was good every other year. You had Melvin Gordon was good when healthy. And then asked for a lot of money. Then just got charged with a DUI this morning. So good job, Melvin. Um, Now you have Austin Eckler, a talented running back. The four quarterbacks the Chargers have started with in the 21st century, Flutie, Breeze, Rivers, and now Herbert, are awesome quarterbacks. 
and they've never won anything, which is ridiculous. Even going back to the Dan Fouts, Kellen Winslow days, they were super talented. The one Super Bowl they've been to, their starting quarterback was Stan Humphreys. Like, it wasn't even like a Dan Fouts or a Rivers or a Breeze. It was Stan Humphreys, a former backup of the Washington, then Redskins. And then he's leading the chart. Not le- I shouldn't say leading the chart. It was Junior Seau and Ronnie Harrison who led that team to a Super Bowl. But and one of the worst. This is the worst Super Bowl of all time. Chargers versus 49ers. I think that's well documented to be the worst Super Bowl of all time. Most mismatched Super Bowl of all time. Jerry Rice, Deion Sanders, Steve Young versus Stan Humphreys. And that chart. Look, it's easy money. It's a shame that teams never won a Super Bowl. And every coach that comes in is going to be on the hot seat because there is so much talent every year. Or if Turner couldn't get it, the one coach that could, Marty Schottenheimer, they fired him after going 14-2. What other toxic NFL franchises would do that? The Jets, maybe? They know other franchise fires a 14-2 coach with the NFL MVP at running back with 14 Pro Bowlers. And then they fire him because... I don't know if you guys know this. It's a little secret. The Chargers owners are dickheads. Yeah, I know. It's weird. And the GM at the time, AJ Smith, is a bigger dickhead than the Spanos. Yeah, I know it's weird to hear that, but it is true. Marty Schottenheimer gets fired. They bring in Norv Turner, completely revamps the offense to be solely focused on Phillip Rivers. LT gets basically periodically pushed out the door. The greatest running back of his generation is now getting kicked out the door after he just won the MVP. Like, now it wasn't like right after he won the MVP. It was a few years after because they stopped running the ball with him. Even that running back room with LT, Michael Turner, who went on to have a great career with the Falcons, short but great career with the Falcons, and Darren Sproles revolutionized the tiny backs in the NFL. You never saw guys like Darren Sproles. Now you got guys, I mean, not he's not there anymore, but Danny Woodhead is a very similar style. Not He's not Darren Sproles, but very similar style of back to Darren Sproles. There's a question. Is Darren Sproles a Hall of Famer? It's going to get talked about. It's like putting David Hester in the Hall of Fame. Like, you got to talk about it. It's got to be talked about. But, man, Anthony Lynn, if he, I had the Chargers going 8-8 eight and eight to start the year. You cannot, especially in the Anthony Linera, you've seen this more than it feels like typically. You saw, like, the these close games where it's 30 to 27, you're leading and then lose it. You've seen this happen more in the Anthony Lynn era than I feel in the Mike McCoy era or the Norv Turner era in San Diego and Los Angeles. So I would say after this year, he's got to be on the hot seat if they finish below 500 again. Even if they finish 500, that's disappointing for this talent they have on this team. I know they battled injuries with like Derwin James, Melvin Ingram's been out, you lost Eckler, Tyra Taylor got out, but really that was a blessing in disguise because Herbert's a thousand times the quarterback Tyra Taylor is, at least at this point in time. But yeah, uh, I don't know who the, who fixes these problems. I don't know how you stop the injuries from happening because that just seems to happen every year for the Chargers. Keenan Allen had a lacerated kidney a few years ago while leading the league in receiving yards. Like It just seems all these big players that are having great years just get hurt at the most inopportune times for the Chargers. And then they continue to capitulate and blow leads like that. Maybe Greg Roman could come in and be the offensive guy for this charter scene. I don't know if he's as discipline oriented as Anthony Lynn is, but I love Anthony. I'm not bashing Anthony Lynn, but I think if this team continues to disappoint minus that one 12 and four season, he's kind of, I'm not saying similar circumstance, but the same thing has to be kind of talked about for Doug Peterson with the Philadelphia Eagles. Now I get it. You won the Super Bowl. That's very impressive stuff. It's a very it's winning the Super Bowl is one of the hardest things to do in sports. It's it's a fantastic achievement. But the rest of his time in Philly, minus the 13 and 3 season where Wentz was winning the MVP before he got hurt, he went 7 and 9, 9 and 7, 9 and 7, 1 and 3. Minus the Super Bowl year. So we're going to do calculate quick maths real quick. 7 plus 9 plus 
9 plus 1 equals 26. And then 9 plus 7 plus 7 plus 3. 26 and 26, if my math is correct, which I doubt it is. But that's what I remember the first number being. <laughs> that's, that's Anthony Lynn's record as the coach for the Chargers. He had that one great year. The rest of it has been pretty average and disappointing. Now, again, like the Chargers, the Eagles have had their fair share of injuries. I'm not discrediting the Eagles' injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Defenses sucked, though. Super Bowl year, they had a great defense. They had weapons on the outside that weren't getting hurt. So I get there's excuses for these head coaches. But if you continue to be average, and you're going to bank off that Super Bowl, that's what uh, Dan Quinn was doing in Atlanta. Like We banked off the one Super Bowl appearance, but the rest of the time at the Falcons job, it wasn't good. Dan Quinn's a defensive-minded head coach. You know what the worst part of the team was? The defense, which is ironic. Same thing that's going on in Detroit. I don't know what they're doing in Detroit, why they haven't fired that loser yet. But sooner or later, these coaches that have these moments like Anthony Lynn had the 12 and four season where they almost won the AFC East and beat AFC West and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead. Doug Peterson had the Super Bowl win with the Eagles with 13 and three, the underdog mentality that the Eagles had, but the rest of it, 26 and 26, Anthony Lynn's 27 and 27 as a head coach. My math had to be wrong on that. They, they have to be 20. They, they're the same, aren't they? I think they're both 27 and 26. But again, I might be suffering from short-term memory loss. I can't remember <laughs> I can't remember Doug Peterson's first record that I said. But they're going to be talked about for these firings, the surprise firings of the, the offseason. There's always like one of them. Maybe one of them brings Jim Caldwell back. He got unfairly kicked out the door in Detroit. Now look how good they are now. Finished nine and seven his last year there. Now they're swirm, swimming around in the garbage that was the what uh, Bob McMillan era. That's GM. Who was their GM around the top? The 0 and 16 Giant Lions. What was their GM? Was it McMillan? It was something McMillan. I can't remember his name though. But uh, that's what they're going in as. <laughs> you might see one of those surprise firings, whether it be Anthony Lynn or Doug Peterson. Philly fans are well documented being like the least. Uh, patient fans in sports. They could be seen as a good or a bad thing. I'm not bashing Eagles fans. One of my friends, Jake, him and his dad are Eagles fans. We went to Buffalo to watch the Bills Eagles play. I'm not, I'm not putting all Eagles fans in the same basket. There's bads of every set of fans. And I think every fan base will look at other fan bases as, oh my God, I hate their fans. I don't hate... Anybody's fans, my Chiefs fans <laughs> and Jets fans. Those are the t- and Patriots fans, except for one. I have one. I have one. Uh, no, I'll go two. One of my best friends from high school is a Patriots fan, and then my sister's boyfriend's a kind of a Patriots fan. He's admittedly said he's been a Patriots fan since they went sixteen and zero and then lost the Super Bowl. Like at least he admits it. Most Patriots fans won't admit it. T boy, he's a Patriots fan because he's from Rhode Island, so he's like de facto Patriots fan. If you're from an area, you have to be a fan of that team. It's like written in. You have to be in from that area. But if you don't have a state with NFL team, then you're if you're not that close. We're like three hours away from every NFL team in the Midwest. Minnesota, Kansas City. We're five hours away from the Bears. For some reason, we got a lot of Broncos fans here. Got have quite a few friends from high school that are Broncos fans for reasons unbeknownst to me. But yeah, Eagles fans remind me of Real Madrid fans. Now they're not as how do I say uh, privileged as Real Madrid fans. For those of you who don't know, Real Madrid is the biggest club in the world of soccer, world of football, whatever you want to call it. They have won the most Champions Leagues. They are historically known for buying the biggest and best players every year. Like they've sold players that actually helped the team more and bought big name players. Like they sold Claude Mekalele and got in David Beckham. That didn't help the team, but that's a big name. David Beckham is one of my favorite players of all time. When he was on the LA Galaxy, that changed the format of the MLS. 
I have a David Beckham uh, Manchester United jersey in my closet. But that's what they remind me of. Everything is not... Luka Modric, Ballon d'Or winner, okay? Remember that? He won the Ballon d'Or breaking the Messi-Ronaldo stranglehold on the Ballon d'Or. He was voted the worst signing of like the year when he first got to Real Madrid. Now he's a Ballon d'Or winner. Like They're like... Now, Eagles fans, like I said, they're not as quote-unquote privileged as Madrid fans. They haven't won nearly as much as Real Madrid. Nowhere near as much. They've won one Super Bowl. Real Madrid have won, what, 13 Champions Leagues? Like, it's ridiculous. But the the impatience of these fan bases. Like, I'm surprised Brent Brown stayed for as long as he did in Philadelphia with the Sixers. That was very surprising that he stayed for that long. They're very, quote-unquote, passionate fans, as they all like to say. And again, I'm not throwing every Eagles fan into that box. It's not, I'm not saying all Eagles fans are like this. Because I we I was literally at a game with Eagles fans. Like, Eagles fans all around us. Eagles fans travel well. And they, I had no problems with the Eagles fans that I encountered, including Jake and his dad. But one Super Bowl, does that hold you... How long does that hold coaches? Now, five years and winning a Super Bowl might seem like a short time. Like getting fired after a Super Bowl you won through four years ago might seem a little extreme. But if you're like, oh, we're stagnating. No, again, I'm not pinning this all on Doug Peterson for have being average since the Super Bowl. They've had a lot of things not go their way. Same with the Chargers. But don't be surprised. I'm not saying I expect them or they should be fired. Don't be surprised if they do get fired. Again, I'm not saying that you should fully just say, oh, yes, they're going to get fired. Logan said Doug Peterson and Anthony Lynn are going to get fired this offseason. No, not saying that. But don't be surprised if it happens. Okay? There's a lot of things not going their way, but yeah. Just don't be surprised. And here's the AFC stand. There's the standings. They have who's the leaders of the division? Bills or the AFC East? Steelers are in the lead of the AFC North. They've played a bunch of garbage teams, but you know what? They're four and zero, so that's all that matters. The Titans are four and zero. They're leading the AFC South, and the Chiefs are winning the AFC West. And the NFC, the Cowboys, led by Andy Dalton are 2-3 on top of the NFC East. Then we got the Green Bay Packers atop the NFC North. The Bears right behind them in 4-1, like everyone predicted. Top of the NFC South is the New Orleans Saints. And the top of the NFC West is the undefeated Seattle Seahawks. And in big news involving the NFC West, C.J. Beathard is starting for the 49ers this week. How awesome is that? (laughs) God loves C.J. Beathard. Against the Eagles, he went in as the third-string quarterback. Next week against the Dolphins, he was the backup. And I mean, uh, let's go back up to like the Jets. The Jets game, he was third-string quarterback. So I guess technically he was the third, second-string quarterback against the Eagles. But against the Jets, he was third-string. Behind Jimmy G, Nick Mullins. Eagles games come around. Nick Mullins throws one of the worst pick-sixes I've ever seen in my entire life. CJ gets put in against the Dolphins. Oh, Jimmy G, one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the NFL, is back. So we can't not start, and that's a big waste of investment on uh, uh that's a big investment that we're just letting rot on the bench gms won't let that happen owners won't let that happen you paid a lot of money to this guy you expect numbers and um output if you're not getting that you want us you're gonna make him get that essentially but now against the rams on sunday night football cj bethard is starting for the 49ers Goodness gracious. And right now, for the 49ers, their schedule, this is the easy part of their schedule. The fact that they didn't leave this part of the schedule at 4-1 is at least 4-1. They could, they should probably be 5-0. Not saying the results are in their favor, but if you looked at the schedule preseason, I expected them to go 5-0 through this stretch. Cardinals, Jets, Giants, Eagles, Dolphins. Only... What one of those teams is above five hundred? I don't even think the are the Cardinals above five hundred. Are they three and are they two and three? I think they're three and two. They're three and two. So only one of those teams is above five hundred and barely above five hundred. The Niners lost to three of them. If you didn't lose to the Jets and Giants, I mean that's like 
again, we've made this analogy before, but if you say, I, I beat the Jets and Giants, it's again like saying, Usain Bolt beat a two-year-old in a 100-yard dash. Like, that's expected to happen. You're supposed to beat these teams. The Jets are combined, Jets and Giants are combined 10-0, and 0, or 0-10, <laughs> for the first time in franchise history. And now, the 49ers, led by C.J. Beathard, are playing the Rams, Patriots, Pack- Seahawks, Packers, Saints, Rams, and then the Bills again. That is what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that are very hard. And they're bye weeks between the Saints and Rams game. If there were fans in these games, and you're playing at this at New England, at Seattle, at New Orleans, and at the Rams again, that's a hard schedule. If there's fans there. Thankfully for them, there's no fans at most of these places. Maybe all of them. I, I don't really know the exact specifications for the fans allowed at these games for these other NFL teams, but they're going to struggle. Good Lord, they're going to struggle. With the way they've played the start of the season, I expected big things from them. I should. I had them in my original predictions going 12-4. and four. I had a thing going 13-3, and three, which is a little um, stupid on my part because they showed signs of struggling last year, though they went 13-3, especially in the Super Bowl. I, they got better on paper, at least to me, but they're not playing good at all. Look actually very bad if you watch them play the Dolphins. It's, it's atrocious. But hopefully C.J. Beathard could turn it around. One of the toughest SOBs in football, so hopefully him and George Kittle can turn it around. I think we're going to have a lot of Iowa fans becoming 49ers fans in the near future if C.J. Beathard keeps his starting job, which I surely hope he does. Nothing against Jimmy G, but I just love myself some C.J. Beathard. But yeah, we've got some fun, fun action. And I'm excited to watch the 49ers and the Rams. And I can't wait for next Monday. Monday afternoon football between the Chiefs and the Bills. Pissed off Buffalo versus pissed off Kansas City. That's going to be fun. Other big games this weekend. I mean, we're going to talk about this more on Friday. One would suspect. Um, Texans-Titans could be fun. Uh, Patriots Broncos I guess could be fun <laughs> Giants football team could be fun Ravens Eagles could be fun Brown Steelers will actually be fun um, Jets Dolphins could be Miami's a 9.5 point favor over the Jets good lord uh, the Rams 49ers is obviously going to be a hoot and a half uh, some college football that we got going on this week. Some funner games that we have going on this year. This week. Funner. What a funner. What the, there's no more words more funner than funner. Uh, Miami Pitt could be fun. Tennessee, Kentucky could be fun. Louisville, Notre Dame could be fun. Florida, LSU could be fun. Mississippi State versus Texas A&M could be fun. UNC versus Florida State. Alabama versus Georgia will be the best game of the weekend, one would suspect. Oklahoma State and Baylor could be fun. But we'll go in more in-depth previews uh, this next week, or this next Friday. Uh, Iowa State's on a bye. Iowa plays the next weekend, or two weekends from now? Two weekends from now, right? No, the next weekend. Okay. They'll play Purdue at, I think, 2.30 is what the time was, so I'm just ready for that to start. Sadly, UNI is not playing this year, which is very disappointing. But, yeah. And before we wrap up today's show, i got some soccer stuff I want to talk about. So if you want to close out the show, I don't really care. Uh, Gunnar Soros. I don't know if you guys are aware of what Gunnar Soros is. If you know Arsenal enough, they are known as the Gunners. They have cannons on their badge. They're known for the Arsenal. Arsenal's like the weaponry or whatever you want to call it, the, where they store the weapons. So get to the Arsenal. That's what Arsenal is called. Um, they have a mascot, and his name's Gunnar Soros. Okay? Pretty, pretty self-explanatory. It's basically a, a brontosaurus, and um, he's green as, you know, typical dinosaurs are. And I guess I don't really know what dinosaurs look like. They could have been feathered for all I care. I don't, I don't really know what they looked like. We see drawings, but that could have been inaccurate. Um, but Gunnersaurus is an absolute unit. Like, straightforward, can't be more of a unit if you tried for a mascot. Like, other mascots that compare to the Gunnersaurus, there aren't any, really. Um, I think Watford has a, they have a hornet as their mascot because they're black and yellow, but their mascot is a moose, their badge is a moose on it for 
you know, it makes sense. We're called the the Hornets, but we got a moose on our our badge. You know what? It's whatever. I'm not going to go too in depth with the the Watford mascot, but. Gunnersaurus is a giant brontosaurus, essentially, and I think that's what di- what dinosaur is, if I've taken a guess. And he's losing his job because of COVID nineteen. So you see, Arsenal's greatest manager, Arsene Wenger, come out this week or today and say, "I hope the solution will be found so that we can keep him. He's an important part of the team." And Mesut Ozil, I believe, is the um, most expensive player in Arsenal's history. If I remember correctly, but I don't know if that's accurate. I think he might have been pat. He could have been passed at some point. At the time, he was Arsenal's most expensive player from Real Madrid. He came out and said something about Gunnar Soros, and then you have people starting. Um, what are they called? I almost said OnlyFans, but that's not what that is. Um, uh, crap. What are they called? Fundraisers, but there's a specific name for them. GoFundMe pages for Gunnar Soros. I hate Arsenal. I grew up watching Manchester United. On TV, I still watch Manchester United on TV, and I grew up hating Arsenal because they were one of the teams at the time that kept challenging Manchester United. I remember I was a soccer tournament when they crushed Arsenal eight two. I left the game was like, Dad, this score can't be right, can it? It was, it was. And then Robin Van Persie eventually became a Manchester United player. I was at soccer practice and that became official as well. But I Arsenal. I've never liked Arsenal. They bother me. Their fans are annoying. Just go watch Arsenal fan TV if you want to go watch some of their annoying fans. They remind me of Jets fans. They're the Jets of the Premier League, except they've won more than the Jets. They've won more than one championship. But their fans are annoying. And Gunnar Soros is the only tolerable thing of that club, according to yours truly. Get Gunnar Soros back. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of mascots. I like mascots every now and again. Like, my sister used to be afraid of mascots. She still kind of is. At least I'll say she is. I don't know if she actually is or not. But she used to be very afraid of mascots. But Gunner Soros deserves his place back. I want Gunner Soros to stay. Because the mascot name alone is perfect. Gunner Soros? I think it makes zero sense. But you know what? It works. So we're keeping it. At least for the Logan Blackman show. We're going to start Keep Gunner Soros page. And hopefully that works because I'm all for keeping Gunnar Soros, even though I despise the team. Like other teams that I could despise their mascot or despise the team, but I despise the Cowboys and I despise their mascot. This is opposite. I love Gunnar Soros. So keep him. Every, do everything in your guys' power to make sure Gunnar Soros stays. And also, in other soccer news, Sporting Kansas City plays FC Dallas tonight, coming off a nice little win against Nashville. Came back from one nothing down. Came back and won. Eric Hurtado with a beautiful, beautiful volley. A beautiful pass from Dia as well from the left-back spot. Hurtado is just a big tank. He's not really that good. I think he was like a third overall draft pick or something. But he's just a very decent backup striker. I don't even say he's that good of a backup striker. But he had a brilliant, brilliant goal against Nashville SC. And now they're going on to play FC Dallas, who... They've struggled with in the past, to put it lightly. My dad and I went to a Sporting Kansas City FC Dallas game like two years ago, and FC Dallas beat them down pretty good. I think the final score was 3-2, to two, but it wasn't even that close. And then Sweden versus Portugal today. Ronaldo, I don't know if you guys heard, has COVID-19. He's isolated. A lot of the players have tested, but tested negative. He's isolating in Italy. Got the update about that today. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, Manchester United's best player, tested negative, which is positive for them. But Sweden, take advantage of this, guys. You got to take advantage of this. Beat Portugal. That game is at 145 today. So an hour from now, exactly. And Sporting plays at 730 on ESPN+. And I'm guessing Fox Sports Kansas City, which is how I'm going to watch it tonight. Manchester United plays Newcastle on Saturday. And the Bills and Chiefs obviously play Monday night or Monday afternoon. And then baseball, the LA Dodgers versus the Atlanta Braves. Braves up 2-0. Let's go Braves. I know he's not going to win the MVP, but I picked Ronald Acuna Jr. to win the MVP at the start of the season. He ain't going to win it, but he's been balling out in the playoffs. They're up two games enough. And the Tampa Bay Rays can end the series tonight against the Houston Astros. Wouldn't that just be awesome if the Braves beat the Dodgers, swept them, and then the, the Tampa Bay Rays sweep the Astros? 
I mean, in a perfect world, the Dodgers and Astros would meet so the Dodgers could win the World Series. But I don't think anybody cares enough about the Dodgers to go like, yeah, that World Series should happen. I think everybody really just dislikes the L.A. Dodgers. Especially Cubs fans, because they've had their way with the Cubs in the playoffs, minus the year the Cubs won the World Series. Even when I was younger, the Dodgers swept the Cubs in the playoffs, and they had Manny Ramirez, if people forget that Manny Ramirez was on the Dodgers. But let's go Braves, let's go Rays. I'd love to see the Rays in the World Series. I remember watching them in the World Series. What? Uh, who'd they play in the World Series? Oh no, I'm blanking. Was it the Cardinals? Well, now I need to look this up, because I can't remember. Come on. Who'd they play in the World Series? The the Phillies. Yeah. That Phillies team was awesome. Jimmy Rollins, Ryan Howard, just smacked dingers. Chase Utley, Shane Victorino, Cole Hamels with the World Series MVP. They had great pitchers. I think Roy Halladay was on that team as well. But, yeah, uh, that's all I got for you today. So make sure to watch some baseball, watch some soccer tonight. Um, yeah. That's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday afternoon edition because it's actually Wednesday at 1248. So we'll get this out there shortly, hopefully up by 1, and I will see you all later. See you guys on Friday. Happy birthday, late birthday to Spencer. It's his birthday yesterday, our future co-host of the show, whenever we get that show underway. But happy birthday to Spencer, and happy birthday to whoever else has birthdays in the world today or yesterday or in the near future. I don't know. But have a good day. I'll see you guys later. Peace.